Welcome to the Aesthetics Mastery Show. Have we got a special lockdown treat for you guys, which is we are sharing some never seen before footage from Dr. Tim Live last year, where I go through a full face treatment. We did a 14 mil treatment. We cover treatment design, the anatomy, injection technique for a full face. So tons of stuff to learn. We're gonna do it in sections. Starting this week, I cover the five questions you must ask yourself before injecting any patient, and we're going to focus particularly on reducing the risk of blindness, everyone's worst nightmare. The safest thing we could do would be no procedure at all in terms of medical risks, but that leaves our patient stuck in a hole. So what we need to do is, is what I've discussed discovered I was started to do as I got more into my career in the beginning I was thinking about the injection I was like what do they teach me on training there's the place stick it in inject it did anything happen no screaming no why and now now my mind is actually much busier than it used to be you I used to think it would get quieter the more the more skilled you got but actually the, the, there are more factors for me to to think about and, and that's what this 5q technique I'll rhythm is about there are basically five questions that you need to ask yourself um, the first one is what is the aesthetic goal like just before you put the needle i'm thinking what am i actually trying to achieve i've realized that some clinicians get it back to front they think what's the technique and they think the technique will deliver the aesthetic goal but actually the aesthetic goal should drive which technique you choose and it's a, it's a different mindset if you're looking for a magical technique that will always get you the same result you will be bitterly disappointed what you need is a, is a clear vision of what you're trying to achieve. And then you attempt to do it with the technique that you think will best work and you will fail some of the time. And then you try the next best technique. And then that's actually where you do most of your learning. It's in that point of failure where you've, you've tried, it hasn't worked and you have to dig deeper and then it works. And that goes into your brain in a totally different way to, uh, to, to just watching someone else's technique and trying to replicate it. So don't feel bad when you fail. In fact, I always say to the clinicians that I'm mentoring, I love it when they're unhappy because <laughs> they're like, oh, I just want that to be better. Why can't I get it better? That's what I want. I want that tension between what you think is possible and what you're achieving because that's going to keep you driving and keep you on this path to mastery, basically. So get the aesthetic goal clear in your head. Say it out loud. What's the goal when I'm injecting a temple? I want it to be flush with the surface. I don't want it because the next question is what's the aesthetic risk? What if I create a bump or it bulges in the wrong place? So be clear, what could I do? If I'm treating a cheek, I want the cheeks to be nicely curved. What could go, what could be, what's the aesthetic risk that they project too much out and enhance their skeletal look? Every single treatment has a boundary of effectiveness and there's a point where you start to downgrade the treatment, the, the patient as well. So if you're clear when the downgrade is coming, you should rein yourself in and you, you're walking a line. It really is a line that we're trying to walk, balancing between these two, the, the, the goal and the risk of over-egging over the pudding, basically. So the next thing is ask yourself what the anatomical goal is. Once again, everything comes down to these three diagnoses. We don't have to talk about the psychological now because we're into the practical, but it's aesthetic and anatomical the whole time. The anatomical risk, what is it? Where, where I'm injecting here, what are the structures that could go wrong? Um, you should, over your career, collect as many stories as you can of real complications because they, they come into my head just before I inject. Still, stuff I read in a forum three years ago, I'm like, remember the infraalar artery, the infra, um, infraorbital artery is vulnerable if you angle slightly differently. That came from an awful complication I saw on the ACE group. And it's changed my, my thoughts as I inject each time. So when you get these stories, it's, a, it's something you get from the airline industry, which is find something bad that happens, 
What can you learn from it and implement it across the board? That's why we had no air crashes in 2016 for the first time ever, because every time something bad happens, they change everything. So that's what we should try and do. Ask yourself those questions. What's the anatomical goal? Which fat pad am I replacing? Um, and then ask yourself the anatomical risk. What's near here that I could, that I could, that I could damage? And how could I change my technique to slightly to if, do anything to incrementally decrease that risk? Bad injectors think there's risk. I'm just going to plow on and bad stuff will happen. Good injectors go, there's risk. I hate risk. I'm going to keep going and thinking of many things I can layer on to make it safer. I'm going to show you some of those as I go ahead today. So how do we start? As we talked about before, I tend to work top to bottom, lateral to medial, with a few exceptions. But it's also a good way because lifting something is always easier than supporting it from underneath. So and a push and a pull together are more powerful than uh, one or the other on their own. So I'm going to do some lifting first, starting at the top of the face, starting laterally, because the jowl is all about anterior uh, descent. So it descends both down and forwards at the same time. So I'm going to treat from lateral to medial and from superior to inferior. Yes, please. So first injection is going to be the temple. And what are we worried about in the temple? It's the first thing you think when I say, would you like a temple injection? I can't hear anyone in particular. Lots of people have thoughts. Someone shout something. Blindness. How do you go blind from a temple injection? Which artery? Temple artery, yeah. So temple artery is superficial. There are two deep ones. Are they also a risk for blindness? It's debatable. I don't think that they are because they actually come off the zygomatic artery. So you're much more likely to be causing um, an injury to the to the branches of the zygomatic, um, sorry, the maxillary artery. So really what I think most of the cases of blindness have come from injecting temples are with low viscosity products injected into the superficial temple artery. And there's a connection. Basically, there's an anastomosis that runs from the superficial temple artery and then connects with the supertrochlear in, in quite a high number of people. So it's this flow of product all the way down here and then back into the, into the orbit. So what can we do to reduce that risk? It's always a good idea to have to develop the mental model in your mind of where the arteries are. So anyone who saw me uh, on, the, on the trampoline with my kids, um, there's a video where I, where I just explain that when your heart is pumping, like put your finger on and find out what pulses you can see because there's nothing better than feeling a pulse to make your brain go, all oh, right, there's an artery there. So if you have a nervous patient as well, Lindsay feels quite calm to me at the moment. Um, you can often feel their pulses, and that's helpful. There's a specific thing to avoid. So I can feel the entry of the of the facial artery here in the notch on the jaw. And that will normally, in most people and everyone, it pulses up in a tortuous fashion towards the oral commissure. It then branches inferiorly to the to the inferior labial artery and superiorly to the superior labial artery. This will then course in the white part of the lip underneath the muscle in most cases, but not in all and starts to pass up as the columnar artery to the tip of the nose. Anyone, there's always a few cases of these. You've got cold sores after a treatment and they diagnose that, but they've actually got a spot on their nose that they've never had before. That's an occlusion and they're occluded all the way up to the columnar arteries. And a few big cases like that where people understanding the anatomy and diagnosing cold sores are missing a barn door vascular occlusion. If you know your anatomy, you know that the an injection here can affect the tip of the nose. So the Facial artery then continues up towards the ala of the nose and branches into the infraalar artery and the, and the lateral nasal artery. These are important because if the ala of your nose is painful after an injection, 
you may have occluded one of those arteries. So this is another thing I've heard people say is, well, I didn't inject your nose. Why would it be sore? Well, there is a good reason. They get the blood supply through the same path. Angular artery, which then connects with the supertrochlear artery that comes out of the orbit and supplies the forehead. So you will see people with We've had non-surgical nose jobs where there's an occlusion. There's often uh, necrosis that goes all the way up into the forehead when they've been left untreated. The superficial temple artery then comes, emerges from above the zygoma over here. And we might actually, because I'm going to inject temples, see if we can feel it. So feeling for arteries is a really, as I've already said, a great way of, of actually turning your anatomical knowledge into reality. And as we said... Superficial temple artery then has anastomoses in most people. Um, and this is where the low viscosity problem, the two cases of blindness that I'm aware of from temple injections were both very low viscosity products, which makes sense because they've got to go through these anastomoses. I think if you're using Voluma or something thicker, that's more likely it's just going to stuck, get stuck and you'll have a temple occlusion, which you know we can all deal with that with a few vials of hyalase. So um, this, the, the very low viscosity products flow through these vessels much more easily and then can flow into the eye. You've got the supraorbital artery, which also may, will have anastomosis, but is a smaller vessel normally. And then branching off from underneath the zygoma, you have the maxillary artery, sorry, the transverse facial artery, and the infraorbital artery that you can often feel a little much for here. So medial to the mid pupillary line, throwing vessels downwards. Uh, we have the submental artery that flows usually just underneath. It's like in nature, the arteries tend to be hidden where possible. If it's a vulnerable spot, you'll find the artery normally goes to a place where if you were to be injured, it's less likely to be not always the case because I have an NHS patient who's got a, a radial artery on the back of his wrist. It's very scary. It makes you think about these anatomical variations. Okay, so those are the key vessels and those are the things. Sorry, branching off as before I, the most important one actually, which is branching off from the maxillary artery or the, the, the deep temple arteries. So these tend to be relatively short if the muscle is small and they may be bigger if you're injecting them with stronger muscle. Um, or the stronger muscle there, that they, they may, in theory, there's more blood flow. So we want to be careful of these deep temple arteries, which is the last thing that's going through my mind before I inject is what can I do to avoid those? Let us know in the comments what you think was the most useful thing or if you've got any questions and we will answer them during lockdown. So thanks very much for watching. See you next week.